Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. We have a very special guest for you guys today, and we are so honored to have him on. His name is Dr. Richard Horowitz, internationally recognized physician, award-winning author of two best-selling books on Lyme disease and chronic illness. He has received humanitarian awards from the Turn the Corner Foundation and Project Lyme. And his recent novel that was released is Starseed Revolution, The Awakening. He is on a mission to save the world. We can't wait to hear why and how and talk about this new novel. Welcome to Sense of Soul. Hello. Hi there. How are you today? Good. I'm Shanna. How are you? Good, Shanna. Nice to meet you. Hi there. Nice Hi. To meet you. We're having like a crazy, crazy windstorm here in Colorado. So if you hear like some ruckus, that's what it is. <laughs> Where do you live? I'm in upstate New York in the Hudson Valley. My wife was in Colorado actually for several years. And she told me we were there a couple of years back. And I remember in Boulder, the winds were like higher than I could remember for years past. And I think, you know, you guys have been getting some of the brunt of the climate changes, right? With the wildfire smoke and the winds. I mean, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, it's definitely a topic I can't wait to talk to you about climate change. So, I mean, that fits right in with what's happening, I, like you said, all over, right? Yeah, it's interesting because you would have thought that years ago, I would have actually read more about it, but it wasn't until my, my patients, the kids coming to me who got over Lyme disease, uh, they were coming in with climate grief about four years ago. And I decided to find out like, what were they grieving about? Because, you know, I would read something in the literature, but I didn't think it was as dire as what they were seeing. And when I dove into the literature back about four years ago, I realized they were right because they didn't want to go to school. They didn't want to get a job. They didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to basically say, what's the purpose of any of it now? Because the world is going to end. Uh, and that's when I decided to dive in and see if I could find solutions, including, by the way, meditative spiritual solutions for these kids. One of my daughter's very best friends has severe anxiety about climate change. It, it's insane. She's constantly worried that the world is going to end. It's taken her away from her schoolwork. She comes to my house to like for me to help her breathe. I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah, the New York Times did a piece on it a couple of weeks ago, and they actually showed that up until about two thirds of Americans and people across the world are now starting to experience this type of grief. So, you know, on top of the pandemic and people losing loved ones and friends, I mean, it's been a really difficult time for people. They definitely need a help in how to balance their body, their minds and their emotions during this very difficult and challenging time. Dr. Horowitz, I have to tell you that, you know, I saw you come in and I even read your bio and information prior to today. But for some reason, I was so focused on the star seed, just fascinated by it. But my nine-year-old, when she was six years old, I had found a tick in her head. And I'd been hearing at the local pet stores that a lot of dogs were having ticks and bringing them in. I flipped because Kensley ended up having one in her head and I pulled it out, I even had a picture, put it in an envelope, brought it to my doctor. They never did anything about it. Then I had a retreat. And one of the girls in my retreat, her name is Brittany. She has Lyme disease. And she's telling me all of these things. And it triggered me to think about my daughter's tick in her head. And just last week, I was researching children with Lyme disease and what their symptoms looked like, had not connected this with you <laughs> until today. I think it's very important that we talk about these unseen diseases that really does affect a lot of people. You know, and it's tricky, especially with kids, because if you have a child who has a chronic fatiguing illness with, you know, some aches and pains, sometimes you go to the pediatricians and they say, oh, you know, it's aches and pains of, of just living on the earth these days. And it's like, oh my God, what BS. Kids are supposed to be full of energy and joy and, and life, right? And they're not supposed to be tired and have aches and pains and have memory and concentration issues. And the large number of kids, in fact, you know, who suicide, I mean, it's a difficult subject to bring up, but they get so sick from Lyme disease and they lose hope, just like some of these kids now with climate grief, 
they don't think that there are solutions. And part of the good news about the talk we're going to have today is that, yes, there are challenging circumstances, both with Lyme and tick-borne, but there are solutions. And there are solutions that I've discovered both for Lyme and tick-borne and for the climate, some of which is not actually being discussed in the mainstream media. So, you know, we can dive into this as much as you'd like today. I just got done telling someone yesterday, I'm said, I'm so concerned. I have four children from 24 to her. She's nine. I've never known a child so fatigued. And one of the other things is she is extremely empathetic to the world. By the way, that is how I came in. And I didn't know I was an empath when I came in as a young child. And uh, for those of us who are the sensitive ones, who nobody actually told us that we were empaths, you can imagine it's a little bit difficult. Of course, having a mother like you is going to make it a bit easier because you have a spiritual background to it. address this for your child. But I didn't growing up, I was feeling into people's emotions, kind of like, you know, the parents would be sitting around in living rooms and I'd be feeling into everyone going, that one's full of crap. They're lying. You know, you could tell the truth or not the truth of what people, you know, were experiencing. Now I use it actually for patients. It's easy as a physician because I can use my left brain, all the knowledge I've accumulated over the years, but the right brain intuition, right? Bringing those two together, it's really essential to try and give people the best medical care that they can get. No one's ever diagnosed or looked into it or suggested it. So I'll just give you a quick medical consult since I can't officially diagnose people right over Zoom and, and phones uh, without having seen them. But do you know if she has physical symptoms also apart from fatigue? Does she have aches and pains, tingling numbness, stabbing sensations, burning sensations, problems falling asleep, waking up frequently, memory concentration problems, chest pain, shortness of breath? Day sweats, night sweats, chills, any of those symptoms sounding familiar? All of that. She has, yeah, she has all of those things. She struggles to get good night's sleep. She has issues at school focusing because she is so very sensitive. Her skin is sensitive. Everything is sensitive about her. She's got mesophonia where she can't stand people's sounds like, or anything like that. She's hypersensitive when it comes to sound. You just described her. By the way, sound, sound sensitivity is actually a hallmark of Lyme. Many of the Lyme patients, they have light sensitivity and sound sensitivity with hyperesthesias where touch, sound, light, they're very, very sensitive. So just general recommendations, because there's a lot we could discuss here, but the testing that normally I use, there's a lab in California, I have no financial association with them. They're called Igenix Laboratories. We'll check for eight different strains of Lyme, of Borrelia burgdorferi, if you do an IgM and an IgG immunoblot, you're looking for what I call Lyme bingo. There are five bands that show up or numbers on this immunoblot that if any one of those are positive, your daughter has been exposed to Borrelia. And you can find all of this, by the way, my book is called How Can I Get Better? An Action Plan for Treating Resistant Lyme and Chronic Disease. It came out a few years ago from St. Martin's Press. It was a national bestseller and it explains the lab tests, which labs to do, but you need to check for co-infections because the heat feeling very hot and sometimes sweaty can be a parasite, which is associated with Lyme called Babesia. It's very commonly transmitted. And you have in Colorado, by the way, there is uh, the Live Lyme Foundation. And that's an organization that uh, can help if you also need help getting more information. But you, you need to find the Lyme literate doc who can help you through this. Or, I mean, obviously, if your doctor needs some help, your doctor can always contact me and I can you know, give some, some help <laughs> on the side. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that sounded very similar to the antibodies test for like COVID. It did. Yeah. So the, the problem with the antibodies I- for COVID is it will miss about 30% of the cases. And with Lyme, it'll miss 40 to 45%. So a straight antibody test will not pick it up. And part of the problem is all these variants of Lyme, just like there are the variants of COVID. And interestingly enough, I had published a couple of medical articles that help people with COVID based on all the Lyme treatments that I did over the year, one of them was actually using glutathione, which is the major antioxidant found in the body. If you go on my medical website, which is cangetbetter.com, that's uh, all one word, cangetbetter.com, you'll find under the COVID tab, actually some solutions. And you'll also find some information on Lyme with a questionnaire that your daughter, by the way, may want to take the questionnaire and score it because it's a way of telling like how many symptoms they have, what is the statistical probability of having Lyme? And it's a non-invasive test and it just gives you a score and tells you what is the likelihood of having it. 
Wow. Before that happened, it was full of energy. In fact, she, I used to say she had too much energy. That might be it. Something is going on. I just think it's so divine that you're on here. So if you're doing these podcasts, I don't need to tell you about the law of synchronicity, right? You, you yeah, already right? know anytime people are put together all of a sudden when there's a time frame when it happens with synchronicities, you know it's divinely orchestrated, right? We all have mm-hmm. these experiences in our lives all the time. For sure. So, you know, the climate, um, since we're going to get back and forth to this, you know, the climate, which is now, of course, a big problem, it's making the tick populations grow because as the climate mm-hmm. is getting warmer, these ticks and mosquitoes and fleas, their internal body temperature and their reproductive rates are directly related to the outside temp. So last year, the CDC said there was about a half a million new cases of Lyme, and it's only going to get worse year after year. So this is really a big problem that these vector-borne diseases and even pandemics like COVID, they're finding bacteria, viruses, and fungus that are in the frozen ice in the Arctic that have been there for hundreds of thousands to millions of years And as the permafrost, which is no longer permanently frozen, as it's melting, these bacteria, viruses, and fungi go up into the atmosphere and they can come to North America and start new pandemics. So, you know, it's the the good news, bad news is we just got over a pandemic and I don't think anybody wants to have another one come along from melting Arctic ice. It's like, I beg your pardon? How is that happening? It's like, yeah, that's a problem. The scientists have talked about it. Oh my gosh, I have never, ever heard that before. And holy crap, it makes tons of sense. Um, That's terrifying. Just another thing to add to the list of things that we need to come up with solutions for, right? (laughs) Right. It's just like that article I just sent Mandy, because Mandy has really bad allergies. Well, so does Kinsley. Kinsley has a lot of skin sensitivity. Like every time she eats something, she turns, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. She turns red. Yeah, bright red. So so again, I I don't want to be the armchair doctor all the time, but that usually is histamine sensitivity. You need to look into something called mast cell activation and a low histamine diet. You should speak to your doctor about it because I am very histamine sensitive. I'm as an empath, I'm also a sensitive person to foods, to environmental issues. And my wife affectionately calls me itchy Richie because every time I eat the wrong food, I'm itching like crazy. And you can write my name with her fingernail yeah. on my back and it'll come up. It's called dramatographism. And those yeah, of us who are sensitive to foods with histamine, you'll see that just by a, a simple skin test. So I'm so bad that my allergies send me into asthma attacks that then end me in respiratory failure, where I've actually been on life support and in a coma. So now I take a shot called Zolaire that blocks the histamine. What are your thoughts on that? So because I am an asthmatic who has allergic rhinitis, I'm the perfect person to be telling you about this. I no longer have to use any of my asthma sprays. Now, again, everyone's a bit different. But what I found is my asthma, and this is the case with a lot of people, are being triggered by not only environmental allergies, but foods that we're eating from leaky gut. What's Mm -hmm. happened is as we grow up on this planet, we get infections and the doctors give us antibiotics. A lot of times we lose the good bacteria in the microbiome of our gut and we get a candida overgrowth. The candida overgrowth can help cause leaky gut. And then you become sensitive to a lot of foods. So if I avoid things like too much coffee, dark chocolate, aged cheeses like Swiss cheese and Gruyere, fermented foods. There are certain things that I just can't eat because it kicks up my asthma, but by using an H1H2 blocker like Zyrtec and Pepsid, blocking it and taking Singulair, I mean, I still find the meds are necessary. I find with diet, whereas I had to use my asthma sprays all the time, I no longer have to do it. So you may wanna look into seeing if you have leaky gut, can do a 96 food allergy profile from LabCorp or certain functional medicine labs. And then not only looking at food allergies, but histamine diets, low histamine diets. There's a very good website. It's Mind Body Green. And Amy Myers, who's in Texas, she wrote a very nice piece on histamine sensitivity a couple of years ago. If you look that up, you'll, you'll probably find it. And she talks about the foods you need to avoid. If you do a trial of two to four weeks off those histamine foods, and figure out if you have, again, leaky gut and foods you're sensitive to, you may find that a lot of these medications may not be necessary. Wow. How weird, Mandy. You and Kensley need to go on this diet together. Do you think it's a coincidence that they were born on the same day as well? (laughs) Yeah. 
right? What? And I, I take all those medications you you listed. I mean, I take Zyrtec twice a day. I take Singular every day. I take Brio. I take the Albuterol. I mean, I'm, I have sensitivity to pork, celery, shrimp. I mean, you name it. Okay, so we need you to learn how to clone yourself because we need about 50,000 more itchy richies. <laughs> uh, that's the whole point. When I put out my last, the prior book before Starseed Revolution, How Can I Get Better? That's the point is that book is not really just for people with Lyme. It's actually for anyone who has any chronic illness because the chronic illness epidemics are getting worse also as, as time goes on. And unfortunately, the way our medical system has been kind of wired, it's all based on pharmaceuticals of like, name the disease, throw a drug at it instead of figuring out why you're actually ill. And the yeah. model that I use that I developed over 35 years of seeing these really sick people is called MSIDS, Multiple Systemic Infectious Disease Syndrome. It's described in both of my books. And if you go through this 16 point model, let's say, and you're someone who has asthma and allergies like I do and you do, you may find mm -hmm. that there are clues there like the mast cell activation. You know, so, some people need chromalin sodium. They have mast cell activation and the chromium keeps down those mast cells in the gut from releasing. And then it stops all your food allergies and your asthma. There's mm -hmm. tricks, even if you don't have Lyme in those books, but that model I think is reason enough that, you know, any person with a chronic illness needs to be looking at this because 70% of the deaths in America are from chronic illness and 88% of our healthcare costs are chronic illness. And nobody's getting to the source of where all the chronic illness Never. is coming from. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's kind of, it's a little crazy. I mean, we, we need to like change the entire medical paradigm that we're using right now. Agree. Agree. One of the reasons I think I even found the words starseed back when was because I was looking at the sensitivities of my children. And I think one of the first things I came across was the three waves read that book and Mandy and I were like, whoa, this makes so much sense. Are we maybe star seeds? You know, and also thinking about, you know, there's got to only be so many old souls if we're just reincarnating. So how's the population, you know, grown so much? I, and these are the kind of things I think about. You're asking, of course, very good questions. And, you know, when I wrote this book initially, I always came in and I don't know if you've had the same experience, but when I was young, I, first of all, I was very religious. I went to yeshiva when I was young. You could figure that out as a Horowitz, although now I'm a Jubu. I've been studying with Tibetan Buddhist lamas now for 40 years and studied with Hindu masters for several years doing the wow. TM city, uh, like yogic flying because I was in med school in Belgium and I was stressed out of my mind and thought, you know, this is a good time to learn to meditate. So I took the program and then found out they had yogic flying, which is like levitation. I went, oh, cool. When I was young, I used to try and take off from Regal Park, Queens with like a cape on saying I want to fly around. And I figured if I can do this, I can show people, you know, the power of my mind. So I did this and I won't go into the details. Let's just say the technique actually works. It opens up your Kundalini. There are definitely changes in your body that happen when you do this technique. It's based on the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali which is thousands of years old from in the Hindu tradition. It does work. But I found for myself that even though it worked, it was not making me any more loving or more compassionate. In other words, I still felt suffering inside, like the world is in trouble. You know, I need to help the world. And I went to my spiritual teacher in my fourth year of med school. I met the Tibetan Lamas and I said to Lama Gendon Rinpoche, you know, Lama, I'm, I'm a doctor. You know, I've studied these other techniques. Can you help me a bit and tell me like, what's going on down here? Like, I never felt like I fit in. I always feel like the world's in a crazy place. And he said to me, well, Richard, regarding suffering, you know, life is like a dream. And I said, what do you mean life is like a dream? He said, well, you know how in the dream, the monsters are chasing you. And then all of a sudden you wake up from the dream and you notice like, oh, it wasn't happening. It was all a dream. He said, life is like that. And I went, Lama, it's like, I feel solid. You know, I'm real, you're real. How is this a dream? And he said, well, when you take an incarnation in a human body, we all have dualistic perception. We see things in opposites, good, bad, happy, sad, man, woman, life, death. He said, but there's another way to perceive reality, which instead of relative reality, it's absolute reality. And he basically taught me meditation, you know, in the next couple of years with these lamas. And part of the meditation techniques that I learned which I didn't think I was gonna be putting in Starseed Revolution, was what are called Mahamudra instructions on how to reach enlightenment very quickly. 
Like in other words, the Tibetans do three year, three month and three day retreats. And I've been to Tibet, you know, I've meditated in caves at 15,500 feet in Guru Rinpoche caves, you know, trying to reach enlightenment. I've been to India multiple times sponsoring prayer festivals in Bodh Gaya. I sat under the Bodhi tree where the Buddha had become enlightened. I did everything I could to get rid of my stupidity. Unfortunately, there's still a bunch of stupidity that still exists, but on this journey to get rid of my own stupidity, I must admit that I discovered some really interesting things. And one of them with these Mahmudra instructions, which my wife and I got these instructions over 10 years of studying with the very venerable Trunga Rinpoche. And these instructions come from a master in Tibet in the 1950s called Kempo Gangshar. And when Tibet was about to be invaded before it happened, Kempo Gangshar was in his monastery looking out the window and he saw that the snow on the mountain peaks was melting. Right. And this was at a time, of course, when no one was talking about climate change. And he knew this was a very bad sign, very inauspicious. He realized, oh, my God, Tibet is about to be invaded. He passed out and died. He had a heart attack on the floor of the monastery. And the way the story goes is there was a raven who all of a sudden appeared at the window, came in, came next to him, pecked on the top of his head where the energy channels come in and out. And he woke up suddenly fully awakened and transmitted these Mahamudra teachings because he knew people were not gonna have time to go into Mahamudra retreat. And when I started looking at listening to these kids with climate grief in 2018 and realizing their minds are really affected, we're gonna need help for them to not only stabilize their minds and give them simple meditation techniques for their anxiety and their depression, but I needed to figure out how I can empower them how instead of feeling powerless against these global powers that seem to be controlling the dialogue, what I discovered and realized from this is that if I can get 1% of the global population to do this meditation technique, which is in Starseed Revolution, these are direct transmission from enlightened lamas. There was only a hundred of us, by the way, my wife and I, who got these transmissions in Maine. If I could get 1% of the global population to do this, and this is based on the TM Yogic City program from Harvard, from, from Benson, where they found that when they did these coherent exercises, when the left and right brain was in meditative coherence, doing these very profound meditation instructions with these yoga sutras, external reality shifted. They did it during the Israeli-Palestinian war. They did it in Washington, DC. Crime rates went down, social variables improved. All of these things happened when enough meditators got together and we're in meditative coherence. So I figured, you know, maybe I've got an interesting solution for this climate, not only grief, but empowerment for people, which is work it from the inside out, not just take the scientific solutions that are in Starseed Revolution, which is, you know, protect 50% of the lands and oceans of the planet because we're losing biodiversity. We're in the early stages of a sixth extinction and do regenerative agriculture and electrify everything and uh, geoengineer the Arctic because this massive glacier called the Thwaites Glacier is going to crack off and go into the ocean in the next three to five years and raise global sea levels by several feet. Yes, we need all those solutions, but there may be a spiritual meditative solution where people not only get involved and call senators and do this, but there may be actually a meditative spiritual solution. And I put it in the book. I just now need to figure out how to get millions of people to be able to do this meditative technique. So if you have yes. any ideas on this one, I am wide open. Whoa. Well, this is so weird. A cousin of mine just last night, we're working on our ancestry and he sent me this picture that describes exactly what you said. Look at this picture. Do you see this guy? Yes. And he's from India and he has a crow in his head. Isn't that weird? Attacking his head. Oh my God. A raven. Yeah. Or a raven. Actually, it says up here, it says for thousands of years, sorcerers and shaman claim superpower. And it says South India might have witnessed this with Malabar priest. What did you say that guy's name was? Kempo Gangshar. Do you think that that's him? No, Kempo Gangshar lived in Tibet in the 1950s. Well, it's very interesting, the picture you're showing me, because you're right. I mean, it, it does look like a shaman who's, and whether it's a crow or raven, I can't tell you, but that is part of the story of the lineage of how he woke up and became enlightened. Hold it up, Marishana. Well, that is so weird. That is, well, synchronicity. He just sent this to me at like two o'clock in the morning. And, and by the way, what you don't know about yet with the book in Starseed Revolution, there is a medicine wheel ceremony 
that mm-hmm. happens in the book where all the world's spiritual leaders come together to yes. pray for world peace and to get obstacles out of the way. And there's actually a very strong Native American connection that is in this book about some of the teachings that actually also take place because they have also great wisdom from our own Native American traditions, which I've also included in the book. We had a guest on recently that had a similar message that if we could just all, all of us light workers, all of us star seeds, just come together and do these meditations, we can shift all of this. Do you know JJ Hurtock? Oh, of course. I mean, he's very well yeah. known. We did a big, you know, global <laughs> meditation, yeah. you know, and it was, it was, I actually felt like I levitated after that shit. It was like, you know, wow. <laughs> so did I. Yes, so did I. Shanna and I, we will get together as many people as we can to join in to do this. That would be amazing. No, thank you. I appreciate, you know, it's so funny because we're talking a little bit about, you know, spiritual experiences today. When I was six years old, and you may know, and I don't know your history specifically spiritually, but I used to speak to God or who I thought was God all the time when I was young. And I used to hear things back. And when I was six years old, there was this one particular meditative experience I had where I heard you come to save the world. This is a six-year-old who's hearing this. And I responded and I went, what? And I heard it again. You've come to save the world. And you know, when I was young, I would have sometimes astral traveling experiences out of body, which, you know, scared me a little bit at the time and angelic experiences. And of course, as we get older, we poo-poo some of these things, right? Unless you've really learned about them in detail. And as I got older and I thought about this experience, I thought, oh, well, Probably whoever was talking to me, whether it was God, the Buddha, Christ, whoever was communicating, that might have been Lyme disease. I was helping the world with Lyme and then COVID hit. And I said, oh, well, my experience with Lyme taught me answers for COVID. Like not one of my patients, by the way, has died in the last two and a half years of this pandemic. Not one using the treatments that you'll find on cangetbetter.com under the COVID tab. And I thought, oh, that must be what that person or being was discussing. And then the kids came in with climate grief in 2018. And I sat down in meditation and prayer. And I said to my spiritual family, we're really in big trouble. This is the time, by the way, when our administration was denying climate change, right? Back in in 18. And I said, what do you want me to do? The world is in trouble. And I heard in meditation, we want you to write a book. To which I responded in meditation, why would anyone want to read a book by a Lyme doctor on the climate? (laughs) To which I heard in meditation, no, 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 not any book. We want you to write a science fiction climate change book to spread the word about problems and solutions. And I said, you want me to do what? And they said, yes, (laughs) and make it funny. I said, okay, let's be clear here. Because I don't usually usually get these spiritual marching orders. I said, you want me to write a humorous science fiction climate change book That is going to help the world. And they said, yes, that's exactly right. And I sat in meditation for six months and I downloaded a 450 page manuscript that came out of meditation. I did not write this book. I want you to be clear. I channeled this book. Yeah. I look at the book. I look at it and I go, who wrote this book? Like, it's like, I mean, I remember sitting and writing it, but literally it was like, the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and all these spiritual beings were on the line when I was like channeling, but so was Groucho Marx and Mel Brooks. So it was like, I don't know who had a sense of humor when I was like channeling this thing through, but it was, my wife was listening to me upstairs while I was, you know, writing and she'd hear me cracking up laughing and she'd go, what are you laughing so hard about? I said, you have no idea what is coming through here. And she read it and she said, Rich, it's the funniest thing I've read. It's like medicine for the soul. People are going to love it. So it just got released two weeks ago, by the way. Um, Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Starseed Revolution just came out. I'm cracking up already because we get these messages sometimes that just make no sense at all. And people that haven't experienced something like this might like think, you know, like, why is my husband upstairs laughing while he's writing something? Like, we sound so crazy, right? But it's truly not of us. Like, Shanna has written things that, and I've known her since I was 15, where I'm like, that did not come from you. And this message that I just got did not come from me. Like, this is insane. And so learning to trust that is so important. And part of Shanna and I's journey into awakening was from us both being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, because we said, we don't accept that. And we want to find out why her and I both 
were diagnosed and had the same symptoms. So it's so ironic because this chronic illness and this uh, diagnosis that we got triggered us into this journey, which started this podcast. <laughs> are you are you aware that most of the fibromyalgia chronic fatigue patients who see me, which I've seen over 13,000 chronically ill people, they all have what I call Lyme MSIDs. All of them, there's not one of them I have ever found that has not gotten help with this model because whether it's Lyme or whether it's Bartonella, another bacteria that gives you fibromyalgia, with environmental toxins like mold and heavy metals, or your adrenals are low, or you have POTS dysautonomy with low blood pressure, or you have mitochondrial dysfunction, or you have leaky gut and food allergies, or you're not sleeping, whatever the causes of the inflammation and downstream effects, this model basically has helped like literally almost everyone. I mean, obviously not everyone because okay. I have resistant people, but if you have, I don't know your histories, but if you haven't looked into this, you may actually find that there are some pieces of this model that will still help you to get better. Yeah, and even thinking about my daughter who struggled with mono for years, isn't that like the Epstein-Barr virus? It, it yeah. is, but in my opinion, you know, I've, I've obviously seen Epstein-Barr virus reactivate. They've now seen it with COVID in the long haulers, but I don't find Epstein-Barr virus to be the primary cause when people present with a chronic fatiguing illness. What I usually okay. find is that there are usually other bacterias or molds or parasites or other things with the virus. In other words, there are usually multiple infections that are causing mm -hmm. immune dysfunction and mm -hmm. inflammation. And inflammation is the reason why people feel fatigue, headaches, yep. joint pain, muscle pain, uh, mood disorders, memory. It's all from inflammation. So what you actually have to do in medicine is figure out where the multiple sources of inflammation are coming from which is part of what you do with the 16-point MSIDS model. You work with your doctor and you just go through this like literally like in a stepwise fashion. And then you address the downstream effects of the inflammation, like mm -hmm. autoimmunity, POTS, low blood pressure, mitochondrial dysfunction, the hormones are thrown off. But this model usually will find the answers. And when I say the vast majority, I'm talking 95 to 98, 99% of my patients get well. There's very few patients that this model doesn't work for. Here you are a doctor helping humans. And now you're like a doctor to Mother Earth too. And I had a very spiritual moment with Mother Earth up in the mountains recently where she was talking to me about like these parasites that she has. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so sick. We've got to help her. And so how cool that when you were that young boy, you were told that you were going to save the world and, and in many different ways. And then on top of it, you're helping save humans and mother earth. It's beautiful. Jack when, of all traits. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's lovely. But the thing is, is, and you probably know this for anybody who's spiritually plugged in, there's also the sense of responsibility though. Not that I'm thinking I have to do this on my own, right? It's like everybody has to do their part. They each play a part in the puzzle, right? It's a big conversation, a big responsibility to feel like you have to do your best to help because you have certain answers and you've got to get those answers out there. Well, we're the ones who screwed it up. So we have to do something to fix it. I just think about the starseed connection with like allergies and with some of the sensitivities that we're talking about. Do, well, first of all, do you think that all people are starseeds? Yes. Well, so if you ever dive into this and really dive into it in detail and understand when I, when I originally wrote the book, my next door neighbor, Margaret Donor, had written a bunch of starseed books and I kind of riffed off of it because I read it and I thought, oh, the Orion Wars, the reptiles have evaded the earth. It's like, oh, that's cool. I can like play with that one. Mm -hmm. And then after I wrote it, I started connecting with people who said, oh, no, no, I'm like, I'm from Andromeda. And I went, I beg your pardon? I was like, oh yes, I'm a walk-in from Andromeda. And I would listen to them. There's a, an alliance, it's called the Wish Alliance, W-I-S-H, Walkins, Indigo, Starseeds, and Hybrids. And, you know, I've spoken to people in this organization. In fact, the dedication to the book in front is for them because there actually are a lot of people that have had this experience. And, you know, I listen to them and it's like, these people are not psychotic. They're really having real reactions. And if you read some of the stories that have been out there, and I'm talking like these go back to Zachariah Sitchin and some of the old stories about the Sumerian tablets, is that we mm -hmm. have been visited on this planet multiple times. The, the original stories is the Anunnaki, their planet was needing gold and they needed to mine gold for their atmosphere. And this is like, you know, they were billions of years older than we were. We're only 7 billion years old. A, a big bang was like 14 billion or whatever. 
they came and they manipulated us genetically to make us slaves so we would mine the gold. And then a bunch of other starseeds came along, the Hathors and the Arcturians, and they would manipulate our DNA. So the story, if you believe it, and there is probably some truth to this, is that we have been manipulated 24 times by other civilizations. And mm -hmm. right now in the codons of our DNA, unfortunately, we have been programmed to be slaves and not to understand that our enlightened nature is directly in front of us. You know, the, the Buddha's teaching is, you are all the Buddha. When Siddha Rinpoche, one of my spiritual masters, came to the West for the first time, he asked His Holiness the Karmapa, well, what do you want me to teach people? And he said, mm -hmm. well, teach them they're the Buddha. You know, teach them that they're already enlightened and that, you know, it's not a question of even getting enlightened. It's a question of actually uncovering your potential, like the sun is always shining but there's clouds in front of the sun. So how do you purify and get the clouds out of the way? And, and that's what the Mahmudra instructions are in the book is teaching people to do this very simply. It's an empowerment, but not giving you something that you're not, basically uncovering what you are, but understanding the power that you actually have. And it's only the ego with its filters that says, I can't do this, You know, I'm good at this, I'm bad at this. It's like that conceptual mind that has to be put aside. You have to stay in that state of non-conception, non-meditation, non-distraction, which are the three principles of Mahmudra. You have to stay in that state so that the right brain intuition and all of the wisdom can come through because everybody wants happiness and everyone mm -hmm. wants to be free from suffering, but most people are still kind of struggling for it and figuring out how to get it. And the joke of course is from my spiritual teacher, Gendon Rinpoche is, Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. We find this at the deepest parts of our soul. We don't find it grasping in the external world. So, you know, there's a lot there, I think, that people have to dive into. And the planet's in trouble. Now is the time for us to kind of dive into that spiritual realm and empower ourselves so we can make the change. I, I don't know that I've ever wanted a book in my hands so bad. I'll buying it right now. <laughs> I, my mouth is like watering. I, I swear. I'm like, what is happening right now? I want this book so bad. Shanna, you were buying it as he was talking. Literally on Amazon right now. I was like, can I? Yeah. <laughs> Get that right now. You know what? So is that the extraterrestrials and these off planet beings and stuff are looking down at us going, man, they are really fucking up that earth. According to what I know, they're not just looking down. They're actually... Yeah with us on the planet right now. I mean, the joke is, is if the, the UFO, you, if you probably know this, the Navy released a set of videos a couple of years ago um, and the Pentagon has little by little been revealing a lot of these um, unidentified aerial phenomenon, right? UAPs. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're basically this like the TikTok video that everybody has probably seen online. That thing has technology that you can't go from right above the ocean to like 40,000 feet in the air without yeah. noise, without, I mean, no one has the tech, Russia, China, no one has that technology. They've they've shown that we're here. They, they've they used stories over army bases with nuclear weapons. Yes. Right? Now everybody's worried about Russia where they've shown up over nuclear bases and all of a sudden the electronics didn't work and shut down. And what was the message of course is don't do it. Don't think about it, right? They didn't have to come out of the spaceship and go, um, let me tell you exactly what I'm thinking here, right? I mean, some of this is quite obvious. So my understanding is they've been with us all along and the Arcturians, from what I understand, and in the book, the book starts in 2037 where I'm um, half Arcturian, half Jewish DNA. I've been genetically manipulated to come to save the planet. By the way, this is my alien autobiography. If you'd like to understand the dysfunctional nature of my Jewish childhood, you can read about it in Starseed Revolution. Love it. Yes. The Grandma <laughs> Helen of Antwar, she did have no filter between her brain and her mouth. These are true stories, by the way. Oh my God. So grandma Helen, what'd you, what'd you say? Grandma Helen of Antwerp. I basically made my grandmother into somebody from Arcturus who's the grand matron of an Arcturus. And one of the qualities of the Arcturians is that they speak the truth as it is with little filter between brain and uh, mouth. So now when I do media interviews as Prince Ian of Arcturus, I have an easy way of taking the filter out and just saying what I have to say and then blaming it on Prince Ian. Have you kind of developed a relationship to Prince Ian? Well, you know, interestingly enough, when I first started channeling this book, 
the thing about my own meditative experience is I hear things and I experience things. And normally the way I came in was more with clairsentience. I can feel truth, right? Mm -hmm. So without going into details, I would work with cards and my fingers and feeling, right? That's mm -hmm. how I naturally came in. And my wife, who's a master astrologer said, oh, you've got this grand water trine and you know that gives you the sensitivity. But I didn't come in with the other senses of necessarily clairaudience being able to listen, clairvoyance being able to see. With this book, what was interesting is because the instructions from my spiritual family is, you know, kind of write this book and download it. It's like, I didn't really have a major storyline except from what Margaret, some of Margaret's ideas is I was forced to listen, to go into the silence and really calm my mind and listen and look at a blank screen. And it was very interesting because over time, the quality of clear audience becomes, you know, you start to be able to hear a lot more clearly, right? Mm -hmm. So like anything, it's a muscle. The more you develop it, the more you practice it, the better it gets. But for me, it was just going into the meditative silence and actually listening to the dialogue that needed to come through with the characters or the rest. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot more. And I, and I do think, yes, most of us are star seeds and, and we have been around before. Just looking at my own history, I'm so different sometimes from other people around me. It's like, I've always used to joke, like, I know I'm not from here. Of course, it may be a little wilder than I think, but I do think that maybe the Arcturians were on the line when I was channeling this book. Because I spoke to Tom Kenyon recently. I don't know if you know who Tom is. Tom has written some books on the Arcturians. Um, really a beautiful book. Um, I think it's called The Arcturian Anthology. And I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and I asked him his experience because he's had direct experience. Tom is a very bright individual and I didn't realize he's been in Tibetan Buddhism for 43 years. Mine is 40. And wow. he has been, he's a long time practitioner. I didn't know that when I read his book and he and I started connecting on issues and Tom kind of confirmed a lot of things that I had suspected because I really respect him and what he's done over time. So I think there's a lot more to the story than most humans realize. Ooh, hey, I have a feeling this isn't your last book that has to do with star seeds and something similar. Well, interesting you say that because when Kierkegaard's books did my first official book review, they said, yeah, this is going to be one of a series. And it's like, how do you know this is going to be one in a series? And I realized afterwards, about a month ago, I sat down and although I didn't do it for book one, I downloaded the chapter headings for the second book, which is going to be a set of spiritual teachings specifically going back about a thousand years ago to the time of Guru Rinpoche. And Guru Rinpoche told me in meditation that he would be happy to coordinate with this book with me. And I went, ooh, cool. That'll be a fun project. I can't wait to do this one. Did you download any sort of symbols at all for this book? It wasn't so much symbols. Um, literally what it was is it was meditating with a blank screen. I'm a movie goer, so I love movies. And you know, so I would look at a blank screen waiting for images and then listening very carefully to names of characters and dialogue. And the reason I thought that Mel Brooks and Groucho Marx must have been on the line with the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas <laughs> is, unless they are actually that funny, which is possible, I'm not denying it, because they don't always identify themselves on the line. I don't know your experience, but for me, it's not like they get on the line and identify. It's like I hear things and I can feel truth. And yes. I know what's coming through is right, but I'm not always sure where the source of it's coming from. But some of it was damn funny <laughs> to the point that it's like, okay, let's just get all this out on paper. Let people enjoy themselves while trying to become enlightened and empower themselves for the climate. Oh my God. So is it like space balls? <laughs> You'll have to read it to see, but it is a satire and it is a poke on society of how we have gotten here. Oh, I mean, look, I, I couldn't help. I mean, the fact that we have destroyed the planet and and basically in the early stages of a sixth extinction people don't realize i think how serious this is the thwaites glacier which is the size of florida about two months ago they said that in the next three to five years the ice shelf may crack off if this thing goes in the ocean boston miami coastal cities they're all going to be underwater so you know my call to action for human starseeds spiritual seekers is that Everyone needs to be educated about the climate, but not doom and gloom. You have to understand your enlightened potential. You have to understand that all things are possible in this state. Know what your personal gift is. Everyone comes in with a gift for this planet, right? Everyone. And I didn't want to be an author. I didn't want to be a sci-fi author. That wasn't on my bucket list. I did this basically to help because when I was finishing medical school and I asked Gendon Rinpoche, 
what's the most important thing you want to teach me when I go out into the world? He said, compassion. Put yourself in people's shoes and do for others what you would want to be done for yourself. It's called exchanging oneself with loving kindness and compassion and everything will go well. And using this rudder, right? I'm a scientist. I need proofs, even spiritually, I want proof. I'm just not going to take this stuff and go, oh, you know, he's a llama. He looked, I wanted yeah. proof and I practiced this now for 40 years yeah. to get scientific proof as to whether this works. And I promise you, it works. I oh can tell God. you that as a spiritual scientist, that oh, if you do gosh. these techniques, it will work. So there's no reason for lack of hope and despair, but we all need to, at this point, learn to empower ourselves and to figure out what our gift is, how we're gonna help the planet during these challenging times. And you know, five minutes twice a day or three times a day with this meditation is not only good for depression and anxiety and climate grief, but it will wake up your underlying potential, right? Mm -hmm. Where bliss and happiness and joy and compassion and all of these great qualities, you know, come from underneath because they're all part of our essential nature, right? So instead of living on the ocean where all of the waves of thoughts are, you just dive down to the bottom of the ocean, right? Where the mm -hmm. deepest truth is and, and you allow it to emerge. And I, I'm sure if people were to do this and I could get enough people to do this meditation, in a few months, I'll probably go online and I'll do the meditations regularly with people every week so we can all do them together. But I, I, this 1% global climate solution, it's on my website, by the way, which is www.starseed-revolution.com. If you go under climate and solutions, you'll see the 1% global climate solution, which actually is this spiritual meditative solution. Um, not only just instituting all the scientific solutions like geoengineering the Arctic and cooling it down before this glacier cracks off, right? I mean, so we, we incorporate science and spirituality, right, at the same point in time. Wow. You know, what's crazy is that I'm so aligned with the spirituality. I've got that part. But it's my younger kids. It's my children. It's my 24-year-old and even my nine-year-old who has taught me things that I can do on a daily basis to make a difference for the earth. Have these younger kids been seated or are connecting maybe even unconsciously, but spiritually with maybe other beings from other planets to have come here to help? Well, it sounds mm -hmm. like you have a sensitive one. It sounds like you've got an empath uh, living amongst you. And, uh, you know, empaths, I, I wasn't taught this. Nobody told me I was an empath. It took years until I figured out why I was feeling into everybody, uh, you know, and, and understanding yeah. things and hearing things and uh, knowing truth in a different way than the way I was taught. Fortunately, with you as a mom, uh, this is easy to be able at this point, because you have the spiritual background, uh, to be able to teach your daughter, you know, these three very simple stages of meditation, which is calm abiding, shinite or shamatha, um, vipassana insight, like once the mind is calm without distraction, right, being here now, mm -hmm. and then when you're opening, right, and you're looking at the mind's nature, you're basically looking at the nature of what arises, not the content of the thought, but the nature, like where do thoughts come from? Where do they go? Mm -hmm. Where do they arise? Do they exist in space? Where do emotions come from? Where do they go? The I that is experiencing pain and suffering, right? The Buddha taught that all life is suffering, right? But the cause of suffering is ultimately clinging to this ego, which is part of that dualistic perception. But if you can look at the ego, the I, and see its essential nature, not its relative nature dualistically, but its true nature, we then can get to kind of the deeper root of the problem and see that we are these universal beings that don't die. The consciousness is eternal consciousness. It's absolute. It's not dependent on relative existence. And once we access this state, there is potential for mm. shifting things in the outside world, not just inside. And we need an enlightened society at this point. You know, the greed and money of the oil companies and everything, let's make profits off of the planet and now destroy it. We need an enlightened society at this point with values that humanity must adopt. By the way, I'm an Aquarius with an Aquarius rising. Oh mm -hmm. my God. So you might actually get Prince Ian of Arcturus in the book is an Aquarius with an Aquarius rising. <laughs> you might, you <laughs> might understand my humanitarian values to come save the world as an Aquarius with an Aquarius rising, right? Wow. Um, and the age of Aquarius is now starting. Yes. 
right? I'm bringing it in with this book, teaching people like the values of humanitarianism and the spiritual values of this is the meditation techniques that helps to move this along. Oh my God. Let me ask you though, what I meant really was that this younger generation cares so much about the earth. They're like mini environmentalists, you know, they keep up on it. They know about it. When I was young, I was like super happy to get chicken nuggets in my styrofoam little thing for the first time. I was like, these are the best. I mean, disgusting, but this is what my generation, you know, was like these little kids, Kensley, she's collecting all of these little tabs off of the cans because she's telling me about these animals. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's terrible. You know, you got my 24 year old, my, all of my children, they all know about this. We didn't even care. We didn't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, we, we were not, look, the fact that I had to learn about this in 2018 with kids coming in with yeah. climate grief. I, the only reason I looked into it is because as a physician, I was trying to relieve their suffering, right? The whole point is as a physician, how do I relieve people's suffering, right? So some of it is physical, emotional, mental, some of it is spiritual, right? Being disconnected from spirit, from, from source, right? The, the suffering of yeah. course can be encapsulated in many ways, but I didn't look into this in detail until the kids were coming in with climate grief. And then I realized, oh my God, we're in big trouble. But fortunately I discovered solutions and solutions that are not being discussed in the mainstream media, which is why really I wanted to get this book out and tell people like there is hope. You don't have to despair, but you've got to learn to empower yourself and get those qualities of enlightened nature, which all of us have. We now know to be empowered to be able to make the changes because the world desperately needs it. So, you know, my daughter's friend who has this climate grief, I, I always try to bring her present first because it's causing her so much anxiety. Um, you know, obviously getting her just to breathe and get present. Do you find that a lot of these kids that have it, um, that, they're, that, that it would be helpful to maybe point out that this might be part of their purpose to go out and help with the climate to, I mean, because I, she's very much concerned. Um, I almost feel like I did her a little bit of, um, maybe I didn't do, I kind of guided her maybe the wrong way is what I'm trying to say, because I kept trying to tell her like, you're worrying, you're worrying about the future. It hasn't even happened yet. Like, let's get you present. Um, and, and trying to get her to stop thinking about it. The reality of it is mm -hmm. I need to let her know it's okay to think about it and then maybe get active in it and be proactive and do that service work. And that, and that really is it, isn't it? It's about learning to look at the empty, clear nature of mind at these emotions when they arise so that instead of grasping it as something solid, right? The way that Tibetans taught about the nature of mind is the nature of mind is the inseparable unity of clarity and emptiness. So the clarity aspect is the awareness, right? We're aware right now, we're listening to the podcast, we're talking, but there's also the empty aspect where thoughts and emotions and even the eye, when you look for it, has no color and form. Yet it's not empty of substance. It, it basically has enlightened potential. So this young girl that has climate grief, she can work with her mind and work with the emotions to see their empty nature and let it go, right? As Lamagendit would say, the monsters are chasing you. But instead of waking up from the dream going, they were monsters, you turn towards the monsters and you look at their nature. But the nature of the monster of climate, you know, the issue out there is it's, it's a real monster in the sense that it's going to destroy our world and the quality of life for future generations. But you can take that grief, you can take that anxiety and exactly what you said, you move it into action. There are things you can do. And part of it, apart from the solutions of writing senators, local, state, political is actually the meditation in here to empower yourself. Listen in meditation and listen what is the gift that I have come in with that will benefit the world at this time? And everyone's going to have a very specific gift. And if everyone approached it that way, we're going to move the world in a positive direction. I believe we can make the changes. If I didn't think we could make it, I wouldn't have written the book. I wouldn't have downloaded. I wouldn't be doing all of this. We can, but the, the time frame. It's, mm -hmm. it's getting the, the last IPCC report that came out literally one day before Starseed Revolution got released. Now, remember, I wrote this four years ago, right? One day before said the timeline is shrinking. We're running out of time. We've got this decade. If in the next eight years we Ooh. don't get it right, it's going to affect the future generations. So now is the time for enlightened principles where spirituality 
and these enlightened principles and enlightened meditation techniques of how to empower ourselves to make the change. This is now yeah. the time that we have to start getting it out there. Again, apart from scientific solutions, like the first one is geoengineer the Arctic and stop that ice cube from melting before it raises global sea levels. Right. Wow. You know, I have to tell you, there's probably another level to this climate grief too, because I feel like I have, I have a feeling you probably have this too, if you have asthma, but I can feel storms coming before they're ever here. It's, I always tell people, it's like, I'm a barometer, you know, it's, I can feel if there's a tornado, if there's a rainstorm, if there's a snowstorm, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my chest. I can feel it in my joints. I can feel it even in my head. I'm very sensitive, like when I get on and off elevators too, like, especially when there's a storm coming, I know it's so weird, but, um, I feel like sometimes, um, these kids that have this climate grief, um, have told me that they also feel it inside of themselves. So it's not just the feeling of the anxiety. It's actually coming up in other physical forms as well. You know, a lot of these kids, I, they call them, I think, by many names. I think they used to call them like the rainbow kids stuff. And many of us who've come through in this generation, you know, we are the sensitive ones. We are the ones that are the empaths that are feeling. But what these kids need to know is there is, of course, the importance of the feeling of the clairsentience of feeling truth and knowing truth at the deepest level, but also knowing you have to know the deeper side, right, of even your own potential, which is it's not just about relative reality and that, you know, the world's going to end out there and there, there are these problems. There's also the absolute reality that in a sense, nothing is happening. Everything mm -hmm. is fine on some ultimate level, right? The relative level, we still need to work it. But on the ultimate level, everything is happening karmically exactly it's supposed to unfold. Mm -hmm. But from my perspective, we want this to unfold in the next few years in a certain way because we have this window of making a change and I'm hoping, you know, if I can get 1% of the global uh, climate, and there's, I'm sure there's 1% of kids around the world that are worried about the climate. If I could get these kids to meditate with this very simple Mahamudra instruction that is in the book, which incorporates these yoga sutras that I learned years ago from the Hindu tradition, we should yeah. be able to make a difference in the world scientifically based on even published scientific literature. This will make a difference. It's not some frou-frou spirituality. It's actually based in hard science. I think that the key word is simple. You know, people always think that this is going to be like the hardest work ever. It's going to take years. I, I love that you have broken it down and found this beautiful, scientific, simple way for people to have this experience and to level up and to help earth. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I thought about this lately and it, it's, it doesn't sound very nice to think about it this way, but it's like, we had a population issue. We had COVID. Sadly, lost millions. Now we have a war. And all of a sudden, gas and oil is an issue. We might not be able to drive as much. You know, supply and demand, get that to go down. That might help the environment. Or we might start looking to other avenues. Like, is somebody manipulating things around here that we maybe not be aware of? You know, the, the thing is, I mean, it's a terrible situation that's happened to Ukraine. And, you know, for me, looking at the climate science, I was hoping when COVID was over and the IPCC report came out, it would be like a red, they, they, already it was like a wake up call for humanity from the last report. Right. But this one was like, we're really running out of time. And then all of a sudden yeah. it gets shifted towards the war. But what's happening is people are now looking at green energy because they don't, no. the geopolitical tensions are saying, hey, we don't want to be reliant on Russian oil and gas. We need, we need clean energy to get off of this. So in a sense, I think it's actually going to push things in a positive direction. In the short term, yeah. people are going to need to right. look at nuclear and, you know, and oil and gas temporarily to get through you know, the hiatus. But ultimately, because of what Russia has done, it is going to push people further and faster towards okay. renewable energy. So I think it's actually going to be a positive thing in the long run. I just pray for, you know, this finishes quickly because there are lovely people. You, you watch how they're... Oh going yes. into Poland and how people are helping. I mean, the humanitarian efforts are just beautiful. That too, right? You have the world coming together that maybe otherwise they hadn't. You know, there's always, what Mandy always says, there's always like a lesson in the lesson. It's the other side of the cloud, right? It's the, it's the, it's the silver lining to the dark part of the mm -hmm. cloud, right? Which is, yeah, this is terrible, mm -hmm. but it's forcing countries around the world to come together and say, hey, this is not acceptable. This is human rights, right? Just mm -hmm. like in Rohingya, the US government finally called it what it was, which was genocide. 
We yeah. need to elevate humanity towards these humanitarian principles and have enlightened qualities, which by the way, I discuss in Starseed Revolution in detail, the actual social fabric of what we need to do philosophically and ethically, because if you don't have that philosophical ethical boundary of love wanting other people to be happy and compassion wanting other people to be free from suffering, how do you possibly move the world in the right direction, right? The solutions are not just scientific, they're, they're actually even ethical and philosophical. So I think this is gonna move things in the right direction. I'm just sorry it had to happen the way that it did. Right. And I'm worried that if we don't, we're going to continue to have consequences, big ones. So thank you so much. Like, I want to thank you for writing your book, but, but we know it wasn't you. So I don't know who to thank. <laughs> it's I it's Honestly, it's, it's the strange sensation downloading a 450 page manuscript and then looking at it and go, who wrote this thing? Who, who wrote this book? And then oh. reading it and going, oh my God, it's funny. I'm not that funny. Who's funny? It's yeah, it's an interesting experience. But you know what? You actually are funny. I will say, Shanna and I had watched some videos and you're a funny guy. <laughs> and brilliant and needed in this world and a double Aquarius. Oh my gosh. I do have one more question. I just want to know on the front of your book, why did you put two moons? So this was actually done by a um, so that there's a there's a so when you look at the picture on the yeah. book. This was done by an artist friend of mine, Elizabeth Kelly. And okay. in, in our house, Elizabeth is a wonderful, she's actually, she was married to a Tibetan, uh, also same thing as Tibetan Buddhist for years. She painted this, that is a painting that we have in our house. And wow. without going into, I don't wanna to give too much away, but when I'm empowering people in this final meditation, which is teaching them the empowerment of this Ma Mudra meditation, there is a specific, and it's interesting, there is a war that breaks out and it's happening on this particular place where there mm -hmm. happens to be two moons where the war breaks out and we win the war and it's using these particular principles of meditation. I don't wanna to say too much more about it because there's a surprise ending at the end of the book and if I give away too much, it, yeah, you, I don't. you'll get it, but you'll get the front cover when yeah, you finally okay. finish the book, like what this actually really means. Well, our listeners know that you know, I've talked about the two moons because I've actually visited a planet with two moons where the water did not flow. It just stayed. And I was on the shore with the little being and it was a dream that I had. And so I shared it a long time ago and met other people, you know, that talked about two moons. But like to me, I'd never heard of that before. So I think it's kind of neat. I can't wait to find out the end. Yeah. So in the home planet of Draconis, it appears there are two moons. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Is, is that for real? That I can't tell you for sure. But oh, okay. as I said, <laughs> when I downloaded this stuff, there may be a little bit more reality, more than fan. As I said, I wrote the book yeah. and then met all these people with starseed experiences going, hold on, yeah. where's the where's the line between science fiction, you know, fantasy and reality? It's like starting to blur more as time is going on. Wow. That's so cool. Oh yeah, sometimes I feel like the the things that are channeled that have to go under science fiction are actually more reality. Can you tell our listeners one more time where they can find your books and also your website, please? Yes. Yeah, so the website, um, and you can see on the website, you can order the book off the website too. It's www.starseed, S-T-A-R-S-E-E-D-revolution.com. Um, it's, it's on Amazon. If you put it in, it's starseed r slash evolution. So it's the double entendre of it's a revolution, right? To make changes for the planet, but it's an evolution because revolving, right? Our consciousness to a higher level to be able to make the differences that we need to make. So the, the revolution is actually a double entendre with that word, but it's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's in bookstores and, you know, you can order it online. You'll get it in bookstores, but, um, I appreciate people picking it up and, and eventually please do the meditation and incorporate this and share mm -hmm. it with people because this kind of came through to help the planet. And I think that the teachings that are in there will help people who are, are suffering and looking for answers. Yeah, listeners, this is the best prescription you'll ever get from a doctor for yourself and for the world. <laughs> and now it's time for Break That Shit Down. So what I would share with people is that it's a time of change. We are going through a 248 year Pluto cycle where Pluto is now moving in its mm -hmm. destructive phase before the reconstruction starts. So no, 
don't attach too much into this present moment with all the changes and difficulties we're having. We are moving into the age of Aquarius into a better time, but it's up to all of us at this time to find that place inside of us of love, of compassion, of where the wisdom exists, of how we are going to bring our gifts to the planet and just know there is no reason for lack of hope and despair. There really are answers. There are scientific solutions for this climate crisis and there are spiritual solutions. I've been working with these enlightened teachers now for over 40 years. I promise you, if we can all do this together, we will move the needle in a right direction and, and our lives will have much deeper meaning and we will find happiness in ways that we probably would not have expected. Great. Thank you so much. And where can they get the 16 model, your other book, Why Can't I Get Better? Why Can't anyway. I Get Better? And how I would actually say, How Can I Get Better, which is the last version. Uh, that Ooh. was from St. Martin's Press. It was uh, 2017. You'll also find it on Amazon and in all the bookstores. How Can I Get Better? This new one, Starseed Revolution, is being distributed by uh, Simon & Schuster. Does your wife do readings? My wife is a master astrologer and she does do mm -hmm. readings. And I, I will tell you honestly, because I don't know how to be anything but honest, she is one of the most talented astrologers because she's also an empath and an intuitive. So mm -hmm. when she does astrology readings for people, been doing this since she's seven years old. And she, by the way, Master Amius in the book, the master astrologer from Arcturus, is my wife, Lee. Lee actually gave me the astrological teachings, who is Master Amius. So yes, Lee does readings. If you're interested in contacting her, her email is astrolee, A-S-T-R-O-L-E-E-108 -E -E at gmail.com. I guarantee you, your mind will be blown. It's like one year of therapy in two hours of an astrological session, like unbelievable advice. It's like, she doesn't advertise. She doesn't have a website. She tells nobody about this. She's going to kill me when she finds out. I just gave out all her personal information. I just had this feeling like deep in me that was like, ask him about his wife. She's super talented. I was sitting there thinking we need to have her on yes. our podcast. I'm, I'm sure she would be happy to do an astro update with what's going on in the world. She's, she's really phenomenal. I'm sure she'd be happy to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Sense of Soul. We really appreciate you. We are going to try to get as many people as we can and put together a group meditation based on your book and what you suggest. You know, we're on a mission as well, and we're part of your mission to help humanity and to help Mother Earth. So thank you. Thank you. It was, it was really a pleasure meeting you both. I feel like I, I meet soul sisters every once in a while on the path who we hadn't seen each other before. So it's always a great pleasure for me to meet part of the tribe that I had not met from before. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's mutual. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yes, what? thank you so much. And I almost feel like my little girl's life will probably be very blessed by just having you on today, too. I hope so. Thank you. Much. Pleasure. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.